happiness is a means to an end and the end is what is it that you are here to achieve what is the thing that you have come here to learn because we're here to learn Hi, I'm Amelie Demarsely, Academic Director for the IE Centre for Health, Wellbeing and Happiness. And this is Resetting Homo Sapiens, a podcast created and led by IE students, where we talk to pioneers who are passionate about life and resetting the ways in which we lead our existence and organisations. Our hope is that after each episode, you will take with you a few practical tools that will help you reset yourself. Welcome to our show, and more importantly, enjoy the ride. After some soul searching, we're very excited to announce the relaunch of the Resetting Homo Sapiens podcast. Our first conversation is with Amélie de Marcelli, Academic Director of the IE Centre for Health, Wellbeing and Happiness. With a background in law and management, she has worked at Cisco for several years as a leader and manager of teams of lawyers and engineers across the world. After taking an executive master in positive leadership and strategy at a university, she joined the team at the center to revolutionize the way we lead. Together, we covered what the center and the podcast mean to her, as well as her insights on leadership and the importance of prioritizing health, well-being and happiness at a personal and organizational level. Let's dive in. Hello, Amelie, and welcome to Resetting Homo Sapiens podcast. I am very, very excited to be here with you today. And before we begin exploring your intentions with the center and the podcast, I first want to ask you, uh, did you always have um, an experience of prioritizing health, well-being and happiness throughout your life? Or this was something that um, was a conscious decision um, that you made at some point in your life? Hello, Carlotta, and it's great to be here. And I'm very excited about this relaunch. And, and it's a very interesting question you ask because um, this, the answer is no. It wasn't a centerpiece um, to my life for many, many years. Although when I was a teenager, I did have questions, deep questions about um, the mind and the body. That was something that um, inhabited me when we studied um, philosophy. But um, then I threw myself into studies and professional life and, um, and you know, personal life, getting married, you know, et cetera. And, um, and I didn't think about it for a long time. And then life brought me to a place where I had to because I re realized that neglecting those fundamental pillars of who you are um, leads you to um, places where you're confused and a bit lost. So I guess I had to stop in some ways and try and find the tools of, you know, body, mind and soul. And so that's where maybe about 15 years ago, I started thinking about that quite more, more and more in depth and started making my own inroad into what it meant for me. So that's a simple answer to your question. So I'm interested in the how did your way of leading an organization uh, has changed since you did this and why you think this is urgent that we prioritize health well-being and happiness yeah 
So in terms of leadership, um, uh, I became a manager about 15 years ago. And, um, and I suddenly felt a lot of responsibility for caring for others. Suddenly you could make decisions about people um, that would affect their lives. So I, I was very um, proud and at the same time a bit worried that I would do the wrong thing, right? And, and I wanted to make sure I learned about this. So I guess it started with um, the interest in that really developed itself in nurturing, understanding, listening uh, to people. And I made my, like every new uh, role, I made my mistakes and I learned through the mistakes, through the people that I was leading as well. You know, you, it's a, it's a two-way street. You don't just go become a manager and then you're in some kind of other plane, you're doing this together. So in that sense, um, I was inhabited always by the idea that I was there to help and to serve and, and, and sort of thinking that the leader needs to be there to support, but in some more in the background. And in a way, what I discovered over the time, over time is that you also as a leader have to step up sometimes and be at the forefront. So suddenly the ability to move places from being, you know, on the side, being behind, uh, being uh, pushing, being pulling, uh, you know, taking the hits for your team, but also pushing them for the praise and for the, the limelight, all of those subtle movements that you have to make so that you go and, um, and, and achieve basically what you're asked to do within a company or within an organization, you have a mission. So once that's understood, what you do is you, you know, as a leader, you, you move around uh, and, and you manage people, but also you go and talk to other people and then you step away, you let other people do, you come, come back in. Um, so, so all of those movements I realized required a lot of um, awareness because it's very, the subtle, message of when you need to be where is not is something you have to develop and start understanding so and and you understand them when you've realized you know post facto you think oh okay i could have done this this way you know perhaps with a more powerful positive result so i think it's just all this learning of trial and error um which which got me into thinking about how i saw people flourish and how i saw people wither and myself uh, as well in which environments did I flourish and which environments did I, uh, you know, lose my power? And so, so all of that got me to think about how do you uh, motivate teams? How do you create um, environments where people can, can actually give the best of themselves? Because I think one of the things, I'm a positive person, so I've always thought that people um, come with a positive intent. And so when I started formulating it, it wasn't really a word in my mouth until I started thinking about it or reading about it. You don't really know where you get your ideas, right? Or talking to other people. But I, suddenly the, I phrased it and positive intent was something that we that I was very important for me and, and, and the team. And once we started playing in that field of, well, we're not here to, to massacre each other because then, then we, we get different results. Now, the thing is, what, the world is a competition. So, you know, let's not ignore that either. So it's also about, again, it's about the nuance of when being in a work environment where you can put your guards down and, and be creative and trustful, or where are the moments where you have to be um, more prote protect yourself. And again, all of those things happen on the different planes of body, mind, soul, because you can't really separate when you're in the world with these three planes. You, you, you bump into them in, in, in some way, shape or form in different parts of your life. 
that's why it suddenly it started becoming something that I understood more and more, right? Through studying, through reading, through practice. And then it's about sharing because once you talk to other people about what has happened to you, you learn even more. And I, I love to learn through other people. Yeah, this is where it suddenly came together in this, in this role as academic director for the center. Mm -hmm. um, you know, every time that you start speaking about your experience in health, well-being and happiness, and this, this, this prioritizing uh, these three pillars in our lives to also uh, lead with more self-awareness, I keep thinking about the topic of resetting Homo sapiens, because it does feel like you're inviting us all to reflect on what we are doing in organizations and in, in our lives, and to perhaps question uh, if we are heading in the right direction. So I'm very curious to understand how did this concept of the resetting Homo sapiens arise and how does it relate to this new way of seeing the world and, and carrying ourselves in the corporate world? Yeah, so uh, like all good ideas, it was an idea that came out of talking to, to you all, to students, right? This is about a year ago when we were thinking about um, our Happiness Week event, um, suddenly this idea came up uh, of resetting. And, and because it, there is a feeling when you reset is you start anew, right? There's almost like you press stop and, and, and you say, okay, I'm gonna go back to some basics. If I can clarify what I mean by that is, if you think about where we were 200,000 years ago, because that's why I call it Homo sapiens, because I think sometimes we forget we're, we're a species, right? And, and we came from a huge, uh, evolution, which has led us to be the only human species still alive. Anthropologists have been thinking about that for hundreds of years of why that is. And, um, and, and what I see, at least the way I've um, looked at things, is that we have this brain, right? And we have this brain that's composed of many different areas. And one of them is our incredible intelligence, okay? Now, if they compare us to, to Neanderthal, Anthropologists say that perhaps we weren't as intelligent as Neanderthal, but we have this incredible social and, and emotional brain. And so if I think about all the advances we've made uh, since those hunter-gatherer years, and we are here on the verge of the fifth industrial revolution, I think time has come for the reset in the sense to actually embrace um, the emotional um, part of who we are. So we've been incredibly clever uh, at creating an incredibly smart, powerful world. And it's as if we've always treated, how can I say, the emotional, the sentimentality of who we are, which has made us, in some um, anthropologists' view, survive other species because we're incredibly social and we have this incredible emotional intelligence. And again, all the movement in the 20th century around emotional intelligence is pointing us to that, but it's still somehow felt as a minority field. And, oh, you know, although you read in, the, in um, management literature that emotional intelligence is key to leadership today, there is still, I feel, a very large part of the population that doesn't believe that. Why? Because it's subjective, it's qualitative, whereas we feel as, as the, the, the humans of the 20th century comfortable in an objective quantitative world because it's easy, it's visible, it's, we can measure it. The, the qualitative subjective is incredibly hard to measure because it's based on what you think, Carlota, what I think, what I feel. 
And I think it's time that we actually embrace that and say it is another incredible part of our intelligence and it should be part of anyone's education. Yes, we have this incredible IQ, you know, that has driven us to do incredible things like the internet, like you and I being able to talk on an internet platform that produces voice and video and data, etc. But there is also, uh, I think, a dimension that we're missing completely and which I feel has helped me immensely in finding my own center. So I think it's a, it's a mistake not to take that into account and to teach the tools. And so what I'm hoping is that with the center and all the variety of teachers and contributors like you, like the student advisory board, we can open different, we can knock on many different doors and say, hello, just reset because you need to go and look at all these, this wealth of knowledge and intelligence that we're missing out on. Because the reset also comes from the idea that we've created a world in, that in some cases is going against us and it's not helping us flourish. Either, you know, like you and I have talked, either we create a world that we can live in or we in some way reset ourselves to live in the world that we've created. And both things will happen at the same time in my opinion. Does that answer your question? It's a long answer. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And I, I want to use this opportunity to thank you for the work you're doing, because I felt how much it has already transformed my life. And my hope embracing this project is to really let more people know that this feels so much better. <laughs> oh, thank you. Carlotta, this means a lot. Thank you. And I'm curious, what is your hope with the podcast, with the center? What would be a successful scenario for the center and the podcast? So my, um, when I joined um, uh, IE and I started, uh, you know, working with Mario and also Puch, who's our, our president, my, my ambition is to create a movement because it goes well beyond just the people who are part of it. It becomes something that's actually each and everyone understands what the power of this is not for selfishness, not a lot of people think that thinking about this is about being selfish and self-centered, but actually the one thing you know, and we've heard this metaphor a million times, you know, if you, if you, if you have an emergency in an airplane, you need to put your mask on first. Um, then if you don't care for yourself, how can you possibly care for other people? And organizations in whichever form are about making other human beings contribute and bring the best of themselves to a particular mission, whichever it is. So for me, that's the ambition, is that there is a movement of people who understand and students who understand that this is primordial, but without going into you know, the 15 years of thinking only about me, it's about fixing your gear. It's like when you're climbing a, a huge mountain, you make sure you've got the right gear with you and the right food. And you take care of that body because that body is the one that's going to get you to the top. So we um, have a responsibility to nurture ourselves and to see, oops, this is where I'm going a bit too far and correcting, not being perfect, not being robots, but just accepting how difficult this is. It's all about finding the center and figuring out what works for you. Hmm. And, and are you concerned about my generation? I'm not, no, 
um, I have a teenage daughter and um, I, I don't, I'm not concerned. In fact, I think there's so much for you to do. Um, there's so much that can be done and there's so many things that we figure out and, and got out of the way. And so, no, I am not worried at all. It's hard though. I do realize that it's hard and it's fast. And again, it goes to my, I guess, resetting argument is because it's fast. You can't afford not to use a huge part of your own human intelligence and let that sort of be in some dark place behind a closed door. Open the door. Go and find out what it's about. Yeah. You know, when, when we released the survey to for the resetting homo sapiens to understand what are the hot topics of of the community and I students more specifically, one of the topics that was very, very um, predominant was the one of social media and how to navigate the tension of, on one hand, wanting, wanting to stay connected, on the other hand, uh, seeing that our social media consumption, the amount of time we spend on these social media is directly influencing our well-being. So this is I think that one of the questions I have for you, and this is why I was asking, because even in, in, in my life, I noticed that these technologies are incredibly powerful. They enable us to be doing this podcast right now on Zoom. And on the other hand, I also see that, again, the amount of time I've spent on, on Instagram directly affects my mood every day. Having in mind that you have a background working in a technology company, what are your, some of your thoughts and how do you think we can navigate this, this tension? Yeah, it's a great question, Carlota. And, and, I, and this um, semester I taught attention for high performance to some uh, cohorts of master students. And, um, and what they say is exactly what you say. I would say 90% of them recognize they spend too much time on social media and, and that them, it directly affects their moods. And so I think my, I consider that being aware of that is step one. So once you understand what drains you and what puts, and you are able to pinpoint what has created a certain mood in you, that's a great step forward because suddenly you can correlate um, one event with another, okay? That's the, the first thing I would say. Second thing is it's about creating alternatives. So if you um, are finding yourself scrolling on social media, start thinking about what else you could be doing um, that actually fills your energy. And so that's some homework for anyone who wants to um, start thinking about this a bit more deeply is take a pen and paper because that's best connection between, you know, your cognitive functions and your pen is better than perhaps tapping on, a, on your phone again. And write the things that fill your energy. We're all very different and personality types need different ways of uh, replenishing when they're flat. So that's your job as, as a human being. What is it that fills me? What is it that makes me, uh, puts me back in a state of balance? So if you've noticed the imbalance, go and think about what puts you in a state of balance, all right? And then the other thing that I always, um, that I noted when, when giving this class on, on attention and, and talking specifically about social media and specifically about the power of social media and the dopamine surge we get out of looking at, you know, cat videos, which is, I find very funny, but also all the things that we love and makes us smile. So they're all good reasons, right? So I'm not saying social media is, is a nuisance and we should stay away from it. 
um, like a whole movement of digital minimalism is saying. I think that you can do that for a period of time, but you need to live with the world that we've created, right? It's part of the reset is to learn how to live with this world. So it's about noticing when you're getting overboard. And the more you notice, the more you'll be able to um, go and do the thing that replenishes you. And what I've also said, found is that many times you, we, because I'm like everyone else, I'm not gonna be immune to you know, what's happening to your generation, is when do you pull out the phone? And what my invitation to the classes were, when you pull out the phone because you feel awkward or bored, try and resist it and live the awkwardness, live the boredom. Because science shows that boredom is a huge source of creativity. And awkwardness is a moment where you have an opportunity to go and connect with other people or connect with yourself if you're alone. Instead of using the phone, I'm looking here because it's on my, on my right hand side, look, taking the phone as a comforter, right? You know how babies have a comforter when they're, then when they're unhappy and we mm -hmm. shove it into their mouths because they, it, makes, it calms them down. So we have an adult comforter and we all have different comforters, but even before the, the mobile phone, let's be clear, we all have our little techniques, but let's use it as a tool, not as a place where we lose our ability to be human or we lose our ability to contribute to the world. This is why I think um, having the ability to notice when it's happening and correlating the, the activity with your mood and that has a huge effect on how good you are in anything that you do after that, right? You know, if you go into a meeting and, and connection with business, it's clear to me. If you just receive some bad news before you go into a very important meeting, guess how that meeting's gonna go? If you, um, you, you're very prepared for a customer meeting and you've had everything structured and you go in and the customer interrupts you in the first five minutes and says, excuse me, you can leave now because you've got it completely wrong. And this happens, right? So how do you, the ability to rebound from that comes from the resources of our humanity, from the emotional intelligence of being able to turn around a situation which is incredibly difficult. Or having a customer say, you can come on this day at this hour and you sit outside for three hours while the customer decides not to receive you. So all of the emotions that you go through when you, when you feel rejected in that way, all of those things you solve by being able to understand what are, you know, staying on, on track and staying in your center by understanding all of the things that happen to you because they will happen at the emotional level. And emotions, they go into your body. You can't, you know, whether it's your left big toe or whether it's your heart, they will affect you in some way or another. So it's your job to go and figure out where in the body they happen. A lot of people don't have body sensations. Body sensations are an incredible tool. Again, that we mustn't lose ourselves in them and say, oh my God, I've been here and I've done this. And no, it's a tool. It's an indication of something happening. If you can correlate it to what's happening and then take action with your intelligence to understand what, how you need to put yourself in the right place to continue to do what you have to do, then you've had access to an incredible toolbox. Mm -hmm. The words that come out after listening to you speak are really self-awareness, intention, and discipline. Yes, a lot of discipline. It's hard work. So 
if, if we look at how the, the whole science of human behavior, and this is why at the university we talk about ha habit hacking or habit creation, is because your habits make you. What you do every day makes you. Look at the athletes, you know, and the, the hundred hours, the thousand hours spent on something. There's no, there's no, you know, there's no trick. Practicing something is what gets you good at it, right? And, and what I feel also is such an important part of the reset is it feels sometimes that we want to outsmart ourselves all the time. So we want to be smarter than, who cares about that? Smarter than who? Smarter than ourselves? Well, this is, it's quite unproductive. Mm -hmm. So again, I'm not saying competition doesn't exist and competition is fun. I'm not saying that there isn't uh, very challenging situations everywhere, but the idea that we have to be smarter than the person next door, I, I, in, in the environment of a pure competition and sportsmanship, fine. You know, win a game of chess, win a game of, you know, tennis, whatever, fine. But it stays in that realm. Thinking of ourselves as smart as the other one next door, I don't find, at least in my view, I don't find uplifting. I am more interested and, and coming back to the idea of the movement, I'm more interested in that collective intelligence. Mm -hmm. and, the, and it's so much more powerful because in that collective intelligence, there is space for everyone. And there is absolutely more that can be brought in rather than me trying to compete against you, right? Right, and it takes a lot of courage but I think that if we're able to let those emotions, even the uncomfortable ones, come and nudge, attach ourselves to them, not judge them, uh, they'll continue to pass. And then it's the habit hacking because the habit can even be the habit of self-sabotage and negative thinking. And if we're able to exclude that from more habits, uh, then I, I feel very confident that we'll be able to live a much balanced and centered life like you were saying yeah and you know sometimes people say oh you know emotions are, are you know we must ignore them etc but actually if you let them as you said just come through you and say ah okay i'm really angry right now now it, it, you let them exist and by giving them the existence you can then decide where to shift them right and it's and it doesn't make you um, obsessed about happiness. No, as we said, happiness is a means to an end. And the end is what is it that you are here to achieve? And that's where we get to the soul piece, right? What is the thing that you come here to learn? Because we're here to learn, number one. And then what are you here to achieve or to do? And science shows us, again, there's lots of behavioral science behind it, that when we give to the world, when we contribute to the world, we are actually happier. And when we receive a lot from the world, and those are the basic hedonic needs, they're very um, important. They're not trivial. It's not trivial to have a level of um, food and shelter and health and education, um, you know, and freedom to some extent, right? But once we've got that, the ability to contribute and give to others is what makes us truly happy. There's no, all the science says it, and you can look at it in whichever way you want. Um, you can look at it from a spiritual perspective, if you're spiritual, 
But if you're not spiritual, you can just look at the basic objective quantitative science that we have around that. <laughs> and our new last question before we wrap up is, so how do you, Amelie, reset yourself? What is your reset button to go back to your center? Yeah, so I have many different ways uh, for many different situations, but there is one that I do every day, which is uh, I practice meditation and I practice uh, breathing. So breathing and meditation are my pillars of every day because what it does when you go and spend a bit of time and let the clay and the water settle, you know, um, then you have access to a place which is with less noise, let's say. And if you can start the day or finish the day, you know, there's no rules around that, but in a place where you connect with that clay, which is where you mold your life, then for me, that's one of the resets. But there's many others, you know, if the, if the body um, is starting to behave in a weird way or the mind is starting to, then exercising is incredibly central to also the ability to be in your center. And eating the right food you know it's again it's the same thing so the center is one practice and then around it is all the things that you do to respect to nurture um, all of those um, dimensions of who you are and i like to use the one the spire one you know spiritual physical intellectual relational emotional which was developed by talban shahar who came to the center to talk um, last year so those for me are actually really uh, complete and so you know, go and look for those. What's your trail? What's your door? What's the door? Because once you start knocking on a door and opening a door, there's a, other doors that open for you. And, and then sometimes they connect to each other. It's like a labyrinth. And for me, it connects me with a recurrent dream I have. I have this recurring dream of opening doors and finding in places that I know there are places that I've never seen before. Maybe I'll finish on that, Carlotte, and saying that my intention um, is when I woke up this morning and I was thinking about our conversation is it's it's the excitement about what the future holds I'm I'm that's really um, something that interests me it completely awakens my curiosity about what is there you know whether it's in the next moment or whether it's you know in the next 30 years um, that's that's what really was my intention and through those di that digging and those doors and the knocking and the closing one door if you don't want it it's not useful. Some doors are not useful to open at that moment. That's what makes me, um, you know, excited about this project and about the ability to achieve this reset that we dreamt uh, about as, as with the students last year. Yes. Thank you, Amelie. A lot of food for thought. I'm very excited for this project and I hope that you felt our commitment and our excitement too. I am totally overboard with joy that to have you on board to do this. Uh, and like everything important, you can't do it alone. And um, having found you um, is, is incredibly uplifting to me. So I'm, I'm very grateful. And you know, this time of the year is for gratitude. I'm very grateful um, to have you and, and uh, Emma Falda on board to do this project because it means a lot. And I think we can create this movement with your help. Me too. 
Resetting Homo Sapiens is created by our wonderful and talented team of students who relentlessly contribute to the eye center for health, well-being and happiness. To learn more about our work or to join our movement, go to our Instagram, IE Happiness Center, or look for our website, IE Center for Health, Wellbeing and Happiness. I'm Amelie de Marcelli. Thanks for stopping by.